You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Simon Waltorton. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 29 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in Simon's Kitchen Studio is Simon Waltort, my co-host. Hello, Simon. Hello, Carlos. Um, you're a bit under the weather. That's uh, why we've been a bit behind. And uh, obviously, uh, air show season in full swing. So, uh... yeah, I've been. Uh, I've had the uh, man flu. Yeah, the good old fashioned man flu. I've had yeah. uh, for the last few days. So, yep. um, but we're here. We're in Simon's uh, kitchen studio yeah. this week. Lots to talk about. Yeah, um, we've got loads to talk about. <clears throat> Simon's been to an air show without me. Yes. Which which one was that, Simon? Um, Eastbourne. But I did meet up with uh, David Harris. Our, um, oh, you met with David? Yes, oh, good, our good. friend. I took two of my eldest girls down there and also went to the Chroma Carnival straight from work after a night shift. Can you believe oh, that? He's he's uh, he's a uh, well uh, well determined uh, air show chap, aren't you, Simon? Yes, I couldn't miss the red arrows up on the uh, Chroma um, Carnival day. It was spectacular up there as always. Um, um, they didn't disappoint. Um, they never do, um, unless there's a weather issue or a serviceability issue. Um, we've still got the Lancasters um, paired up um, with the Vulcan. Um, there's been lots of uh, football opportunities. But they were supposed to be at um, Eastbourne, but because of the weather, um, it didn't um, materialise. Um, but uh, we'll talk more about that later in the show. So we have been, we've been quite busy, haven't we, Simon? Since yes. We've, we've had a, a little sort of two-week break, really, haven't we, yes. since we've done the last episode. Yes. Yep. Um, but uh, we've had work commitments, and yes. I've been ill, and yep. Simon's been here, and I've been there. And, yes, um, um, but we've got lots of, um, I hate to have to say this, um, be a disappointment. Uh, the air show season is drawing to a close in the next few months. We've got September and October still. Um, There's still some great air shows to come Yes, out, there is still uh, around, quite around a few. Um, we're on the wind down, and uh, David Montenegro will be Red One next year, oh. taking over um, from uh, Mr. Turner. Red wow. One. That's good, that's good. So, Simon, <coughs> shall we kick off the show, yeah. as we always do, yes. with the rundown of the uh, last sort of few days of airport and uh, airline news? So, yeah. uh, if you're ready, Simon. Yeah, let's take off. Let's take off. <laughs> So lots of news then uh, to start off uh, this show. And the first bit is on the International Business Times site. And this one is regarding Ryanair. Uh, We've got quite a few bits of Ryanair news to start off. But uh, this one is uh, about Ryanair allowing customers to pay for flights using PayPal, uh, which is pretty good. Um, Ryanair's announced uh, a partnership with PayPal to allow customers pay for flights using the online payment processor. As part of its ongoing attempts to rebrand itself as a more friendly and customer-focused company, Ryanair has introduced and announced a deal which will allow customers to pay for flights using online payment processor PayPal. Ryanair's head of marketing, Kenny Jacobs, said the new partnership would give the company 86 million customers even more ways to book and pay on the company's website. The PayPal deal is part of Ryanair's Always Getting Better program, uh, a major public relations exercise initiated in the wake of falling revenue to try and change people's perception of the budget airline, which until now has not been exactly positive. 
In May, Ryanair recorded its first profit slump in five years. Previous parts of the campaign have included uh, allocation, uh, introduction of allocated seating, free second carry-on bag, reduced fees and the all-new website. So Jacobs has also announced as well that the company will unveil a tailored business product, which we've got some news on that coming up in just a second. Um, but he gave no details, but we have got some details now as to what that uh, package will uh, bring. So Simon, PayPal to pay for uh, flights. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, that, I've uh, noticed the uh, PayPal uh, seems to be coming uh, widely available, mm. um, not just um, in sort of um, the airline business, but um, shops as well. Yeah. Um, most uh, shops uh, do actually accept this now, which is um, another a great way. Um, there's no fee uh, charge on this. Is there uh, paying via PayPal? No, no, oh. there's no fee. Um, and also, um, people who don't want to pay by credit card, because obviously a lot of people pay by credit yes. card to have that extra bit of security yes. backup. Yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> using, using PayPal, it, you'll you have that backup. Uh, yes, as well. Um, because um, PayPal, as um, you are aware, and I'm aware, most people, other people are. Um, we use. I use mine on. Um, uh, eBay and uh, you do as yeah, well. Yeah, yes, and, a lot um, of sites can you can use. use and it's, uh, it's also good because uh, we can send money via your phone uh, through your uh, mobile to um, PayPal as well, um, which we uh, do. We send each other. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. money and things. So that is a really uh, good good idea. That um, is a great idea. And uh, I would imagine other airlines will follow suit very quickly. Yep, I think it probably will uh, start the uh, sort of lead with other airlines now to bring in PayPal as a way of paying for flights. I wouldn't be surprised if EasyJet follows suit soon as yes, well. Yes, yeah. So next piece of news then uh, is some more Ryanair news. And uh, this one is on the, when it loads up, there we go, is uh, on the, <laughs> I knew that would happen. <laughs> Just clicked off there and gone back. Um, there we go. Travel Mole site, there we go. And uh, Ryanair are looking to buy Cyprus Airways. Really? Um, Ryanair boss's Michael O'Leary is believed to be planning um, uh, a trip to Cyprus, which I think he's just done and come back from, um, to uh, have uh, talks with uh, the government-owned Cyprus Airways. O'Leary, he actually flew to Cyprus last week and... um, to uh, submit a takeover proposal that he said would put Cyprus Airways and the island's tourism sector back on its path of a very much renewed and rapid growth. Cyprus Airways, uh, which is going to pull out of Heathrow next month, has seen traffic fall from around 3 million passengers a year to just 600,000 passengers a year. And the Cypriot government, which owns 94% of the airline, has already given it uh, 100 million euros in state aid. O'Leary said that under the terms of the takeover agreement, the Cyprus Airways brand would have to be retained, and the carrier itself, Cyprus Airways, operates just six aircraft. Ryanair, in the past, uh, as most of you will know, um, they actually brought Buzz, um, which were a small carrier in the UK many years ago. And uh, bidders for Cyprus Airways have until the end of this week to provide a non-binding proposal for acquiring the airline. Uh, Those proposals will be examined by September the 30th, when a shortlist will be drafted. Other bidders understood to include Lebanese airline MEA and Israel's Arkea, and Romanian carrier Blue Air as well have been uh, uh, understood to be bidding as well for uh, for <coughs> Cyprus Airways. So 
So there we go. Yes. So uh, another um, another string to uh, Michael O'Leary's yeah, bow. Well, see, <laughs> Forgive well, the pun. If, if he actually gets it. Um, but... Oh, now, what do we say, Simon, when we're doing podcasts? Phones to silent. Honestly. God. I mean, if we're on a plane now, uh, Simon, I'd be, um, and we're at a starting takeoff roll, I'd be having a go at you now. Should I put it on plane for mode? For putting your, uh, tell you what your flight do. mode. Let's put it on play mode. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do that. Um, uh, that just goes to show this. Um, we, 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 are we, we are we are we do record this a hundred percent live. This, this show. I think it's the best thing I can actually uh, do. So Simon, Cypress Airways. Then, so um, Ryanair possibly uh, might uh, acquire Cypress Airways, even with a small fleet like that as well. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, Mr. O'Leary is going to do with those um, Cypriot-owned or Cypriot aircraft. Yeah, so they'll either get um, sold on or he'll actually uh, spray them. Depend. Do you know what aircraft they are he's uh, I using? I am not 100% sure. Um, I can have a quick look and find out what <clears> they are. But what do you think, Simon? Is that uh, going to help uh, O'Leary as well with, um, yes, with if he, destinations? Yes, um, because that will open up more slots for him, won't it, on his uh, routes? Um, because... I know that um, takeoff and landing slots um, at certain airports like Heathrow and uh, other airports are quite expensive. But um, if the aircraft are um, 737-800s and Airbus... So just looking here, Simon, Cyprus Airways have six aircraft, yes. as we said, <laughs> and they are all Airbus A320-200s. Right, he may use them, I would imagine, for a time um, and possibly sell them on um, or um, keep them running and get them sprayed and use the pilots, um, give them a job who are actually uh, with Cypress Airways. Yeah, they're not, uh, the six that that Cypress Airways have got are not actually that old. The oldest one um, is uh, a 2003. Um, All the other ones are between 2010 and 2011. Aircraft, so they're quite a reasonably new uh, fleet. But just looking on the fleet database here for Cyprus Air, it says here that uh, out of the six aircraft um, that they've got, five of them are leased yeah. um, from a uh, from a leasing company. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they do with those uh, with those aircraft, Simon. Definitely. Yes. So moving on, then next piece of news, and uh, this piece is a, another piece of Ryanair news. We've got another piece after this as well. There's loads of Ryanair news. So as we we're talking about just on the previous news section, then um, Ryanair are unveiling a corporate fare uh, to try and uh, grab some business um, class sort of type uh, travellers. Um, the uh, range of travel benefits designed uh, to attract more business travellers to the um, the airline uh, are going to be priced at €69.99, um, and it's going to be called a Ryanair Business Plus. Uh, for the price, you'll get flexibility on ticket changes, which at the moment obviously cost you money to change your um, any, any uh, info. And you'll also get uh, 20 kilos of checked-in baggage allowance, uh, fast-track security at the uh, selected airports, uh, priority boarding, and uh, premium seats. Now, the premium seats, I've looked into this, the premium seats are overwing exit seats and the front row uh, seats, which obviously got more legroom. Yes. So you don't actually get uh, a plusher seat uh, with TVs. You just get more legroom. Yeah. Uh, but the move comes ahead of uh, the low fares carrier launching 
a second GDS partnership to complement a dedicated corporate and group service. Ryanair fares became available via Travelport Systems in April. The airline claims more than a quarter of its passengers are already business travellers. And Chief Marketing Officer Kenny Jacobs said that uh, businesses are becoming smarter with their travel and over 25% of customers already travel on business, choosing Ryanair for their low fares, industry-leading punctuality and the largest route network in Europe. So that'd be quite good, Simon, uh, for uh, for people who want to uh, have more legroom. They can just pay a little bit more extra and have, have the, the flexibility of changes. Yeah, a good but one the only well. thing with this is uh, being charged for that of um, Flam Virgin Atlantic, and they don't charge for uh, over Exit Rose or United or, or a lot of the big airlines um, or the bulkhead seats. So um, I can't um, justify them uh, charging for Exit Rose seats whatsoever. Mm, at the moment, Ryanair does. They, Ryanair charges for um, for seat, sitting on the overwing exit seats, and they also charge you more for priority boarding and the um, the extra the luggage. So, any way of making a little bit extra yeah. money, um, which I don't agree with, because um, you never used to have any of this, so it's getting a bit petty now. So next piece of news then uh, from the Travel Weekly site. This one's Ryanair again. Ryanair are actually adding three new routes from Stansted for summer in 2015. The new routes to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Cologne and uh, increased frequencies on other 24, uh, 24 other services are being added by Ryanair from Stansted next summer. The low fares carrier will operate uh, a total of 134 routes from the ex-Essex airport in the summer 2015 and expects to carry an additional 1.3 million passengers extra uh, with these routes that are going to be put in place. The summer schedule is being launched three months earlier than last year and coincides with the introduction of Ryanair's Business Plus service. The airline has also released 100,000 seats from £19.99 for travel uh, in September and October and November this year that uh, were available from last Thursday on the websites. Uh, so... Some extra routes then, Simon. So more routes from Stansted. Uh, Edinburgh, that's a good one. Because um, yes, um, it's quite nice to travel up there. I've done that yes, before. Um, I've done that as well. And uh, Glasgow as well. And um, <clears throat> I know EasyJet uh, runs up there as well. Um, used to get, um, I think, Flybe still flies from Norwich to Edinburgh. Um, and does go to Glasgow, but as via Manchester and a plane change, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that is um, good competition for... Um, Easy jet on these routes because those routes are what they do from uh, Stansted as well. Yeah, I've flown the Easy Jet route from Stansted <coughs> to uh, Edinburgh myself with Easy Jet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who's going to be the cheapest. Yeah, for that for that particular route. So next piece of news then. Uh, this is on the Business Traveller website, and uh, BA are going to introduce or uh, sorry increase uh, credit card booking fees. Uh, for their flights, so British Airways uh, is is going to increase. I think it already has increased um, uh, the charge for paying for flights by credit card or via PayPal. Business Traveller was alerted to the move on its forum and can confirm that bookings made using UK build credit cards now attract a five pounds fee, up from the previous four pound fifty. The charge also applies to payments made by PayPal, but debit card payments continue to be free. Simon, five pounds—that's quite a uh, hefty, hefty fee. Uh, yeah, even uh, t- um, PayPal as well. Mm. For using PayPal, you don't normally get a fee for paying that, really. But no. um, BA have obviously 
decided that uh, they need to uh, do. I know, wonder if uh, EasyJet are going to follow and have a fee. Well, as a comparison, EasyJet charges a 2% fee for bookings made by credit card uh, <coughs> on top of its £12 administration fee. Flybe charges a 3% fee for credit card transactions with a minimum charge of £5. So there we well, go. Well, I know uh, a lot of the American airline uh, carriers don't uh, charge, and I don't think Virgin Atlantic charge. Um, email me or email us or Facebook us or Twitter us if you think that is possible change. But um, um, I know a lot of the airlines that I've used to go to the States, they don't charge credit card fees. It'd be interesting to find out what exactly these fees are for. Yes. Is there an extra person who, who's in an office who has to uh, press an extra button who yes. um, needs that um, I know or? that um, the banks do have a, a charge for using uh, credit cards and everything as mm. well. So... Um, Still not good. No. Don't we don't like extra fees? No. It's supposed to be easy. Right, so next piece of news then um, <laughs> on the Sky News site, this one. And uh, most of you have probably heard already of... Here um, we go again. Airlines being warned over volcanic eruptions in Iceland. So uh, the aviation industry has been warned uh, about <clears throat> the possibility of flight disruptions caused by activity at Iceland's largest volcano system. Intense seismic tremors have been recorded at Iceland's Bagbugunga volcano for the past uh, few days, although there are yet no signs of uh, any eruptions. Iceland's Met Office has raised the risk level to the aviation industry to orange, the fourth level on a five-level scale. Police and the country's Civil Protection Service have also closed roads and started evacuation of highland areas north of the volcano as a precaution. The Met Office said that in a statement that the strongest earthquake in the region since 1996 was re recorded last Monday. It said the evidence of magma movement shallower than 10 kilometres or 6.2 miles implies increased potential of a volcanic eruption. So Simon, this could um, be a rerun of 2010. Yes. Uh, which obviously most of you know, 2010 we had the, uh, the, vol the volcano erupt and uh, that uh, caused some quite uh, bad... Or ten million people were affected by that uh, problem. Yes, it was. That's the uh, phone. That's the, is that the doorbell? No, that's the phone. Oh, the phone. <laughs> we've, we've got mobile phones ringing. We've got home phones ringing. We'll oh, get the intercom from the airport next. <laughs> um, yeah, but last time uh, we had this, um, I remember watching a program where the volcanic ash turns to like cement and hit the screen. I think it was a uh, British Airways mm. uh, aircraft, was it? Um, oh, that was uh, that was a seven four seven one that had yes. the um, the flame outs, wasn't it? But they got the engines restarted. Yes, they yeah. did manage to, mm. but it's a deadly um, um, thing to. But we did we did cover in a previous episode, <coughs> if you remember, Simon, uh, EasyJet were doing those experiments, yes. weren't they, with the the volcanic uh, detection, um, the special detection thing, so aircraft <coughs> to uh, so the radars could pick up uh, the the volcanic ash in the air. Yeah, um, I've already noticed on the uh, flight radar and a lot of the uh, um, network uh, flight network sites that the aircraft are taking detours already. Um, mm. Because, like I said, the moisture from this ash, um, if it just hits the aircraft, it just sets like cement. And it's really dangerous for the engines, for the aircraft, for everything around, isn't it? No, it's not good Not good for engines, Simon. Definitely not good. And uh, for screens either. Yes. Turns, like Simon said, it turns the uh, the screen aircraft windscreens opaque. It... it uh, Kind of makes it very difficult for the pilots to see. Yes. 
So moving on then, next piece of news, buying business traveler site, United uh, to offer Uber services via uh, their app. United Airlines, uh, across the pond from us, have announced it will offer travelers Uber services via its mobile app. The Chicago-based carrier has said that customers with an iOS or Android device can access Uber ground transportation information in the app's menu or in the My Reservations card if they have a United Reservations uh, account. The app will display Uber information including types of available vehicles, estimated at waiting times, prices and customers can select uh, a ride. The app will automatically transfer them to the Uber app or the Uber website to sign up for an account or complete the transaction. The partnership with Uber offers customers new opportunities to simplify the travel experience, said Pravin Sharma, United's Vice President of Loyalty. Customers can use the app to ensure a more convenient journey from checking in for an international flight from their home or office to finding instant ground uh, transportation options at their final destinations, he added. United has also announced that customers who sign up for the Uber via the United app and complete their first transaction will receive 1,000 mileage plus award points uh, for a limited time only. Over the past few months, the taxi sharing company has been at the centre of a dispute with taxi drivers worldwide. They claim Uber is unlawful because it is effectively acts as a taxi meter, which private vehicles are not allowed to use. So I had a look at this app, and it's uh, is kind of like um, uh, a travel help guide or help thing, some where people can uh, um, find someone else who's getting a taxi from this airport to go here when they land, and they can join together and save money. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a good app. I think we have something similar in the UK. But I, I can't, wish you could I join it together and save money to fly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be handy, yeah, definitely. Especially when you're flying to the States where it's, uh, it's a bit more a bit more expensive to get across there than, uh, than just going to somewhere in Europe. So next piece of news then. Uh, it's actually Ryanair news, but this is more um, um, pleasing if you're not a Ryanair fan because this one is uh, about the Ice Bucket Challenge. Those of you... Uh, well, most of you uh, will know what the Ice Bucket Challenge is. Me and Simon have both done one. And uh, this is regarding the Ryanair's CEO, Michael O'Leary. And uh, he has been soaked 14 times, um, raising €10,000 for charity. Ryanair's CEO, Michael O'Leary, took on the Ice Bucket Challenge and he raised this €10,000 for the charity. He was uh, hit 14 times by icy cold water before running off <laughs> in bare feet. The money he raised uh, was for the Jack and Jill Children's <coughs> Foundation, which provides direct funding for families uh, of children with brain damage requiring intensive home nursing care. And uh, he said that uh, he wants to curse Patrick Kennedy and Paddy Power for nominating him. And uh, he nominated Willie Walsh of IAG and Alexandre de Junac of Air France and Carsten Souf of Lufthansa. Uh, and he followed that comment with, you can't match our fares, you can't even freeze your fares. The least you can do is freeze your bits. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, so uh, that's quite a good... Uh, there's a video actually of this. Uh, if you go on to uh, YouTube and uh, type in Ryanair Ice Bucket Challenge. Yeah, you'll be able to see the video of uh, Michael O'Leary uh, having the um, quite large buckets, actually, Simon. Yes. Of ice cold water uh, thrown uh, thrown over him, uh, which uh, was going, I think, I did watch that. It was quite funny, actually, seeing him soaked. 
despite time he had uh, some some cool some chill, chilled out time. So next piece of news: buying business traveler again. German Wings are to launch Dusseldorf Stansted route. Uh, so German Wings is to launch a Dusseldorf to London Stansted service, and that was due to start on the twenty second of August. The route will be twice daily, mornings and evenings, and on week uh, days, and one flight will uh, on both Saturdays and Sundays. Heinrich Min Stutz, senior VP Corporate Communications for German Wings, said it's great to be able to launch this new connection from the Dusseldorf to London Stansted base. Dusseldorf is an incredible mix of Rhineland charm, history, arts and culture, and we're pleased to be able to make this area more accessible for UK businessmen and tourists. Stansted Airport's Managing Director Andrew Harrison said the airline expansion to new markets is an exciting development and we're delighted that, uh, to welcome German Wings to Stansted for their service between Dusseldorf and London, which I'm sure will be very popular for both business people and tra- leisure travellers. German Wings, is, uh, I've seen them fly over us quite a few times, yes, Simon. Quite yes. a popular um, yes. uh, German, I think they're quite a German low-cost airline, Yes, uh, German Wings. Um, so that's another one, another string to uh, Stansted's bow. Then another yeah, that's airline, uh, really uh, getting busy there, isn't it? Definitely, um, definitely. <clears throat> so next piece of news: then uh, air transport world online. Uh, Norwegian are opening uh, Gatwick Long Haul Base. Uh, budget carrier Norwegian, who, as we know, fly the seven eight seven Dreamliner, um, have opened a new long haul base at London Gatwick's airport, supporting uh, the seven eight seven routes to Los Angeles, New York, and Fort Lauderdale. Norwegian is already well established at Gatwick. It uh, opened a short-haul base at the airport in 2013, which has since expanded to uh, 90 pilots and 200 cabin crew. Our hiring in the UK has been well received and many pilots are keen to be based at London Gatwick, Norwegian Flight Operations Director Torsten Horst said, adding that cabin crew recruitment will begin early next year. In 2014, Norwegian expects its 41 Gatwick routes to handle more than 3 million passengers. It's also recruiting pilots for its uh, New York JFK base, where it already has cabin crew. Early this year, Norwegian formed a new Irish arm, Norwegian Air International, NAI, which it planned to use to operate its 787 services out of Gatwick. However, this caused an outcry from trade unions on both sides of the Atlantic, which accused Norwegian of using Ireland as a flag of convenience to circumvent local labour laws. Norwegian refutes this, saying that the move is motivated by traffic rights and aircraft financing benefits. They're already flying the 787s out of Gatwick, and all of Norwegian's long-haul routes between the US and Europe are operated by Norwegian Air Shuttle, which has all the necessary permits to fly to and from the US. Our subsidiary is still waiting for an approval from the US Department of Transport, but uh, this doesn't affect our operations today, a Norwegian spokesman said. Norwegian operates a fleet of seven 787 Dreamliners on its long-haul network and has another 10 on firm order. So Simon, uh, got the picture there of Norwegian yes, 787. Um, I, I'm uh, glad you brought this bit of uh, news up, uh, Carlos, because I knew, um, and we we both know, um, that uh, this um, airline is quite a regular um, airline to fly over uh, us on the flight radar, because mm, we often yeah. see them flying up. Uh, over East Anglia, yeah. Um, do they fly out of uh, Stansted as well? I don't think they do, Simon. I don't think they do. Um, but we've got this... Um, uh, that is the first time I've uh, seen the Dreamliners. I didn't know they actually had any until mm. you've just uh, sort of informed me there. So have got lots. <laughs> it, it actually looks quite a nice um, delivery of theirs. I like it with the red 
nose. Yeah, and, I swear um, it's good. It looks good on the Dreamliner. Yeah, and it actually, uh, you hard to believe, but when my girls are now looking up in the sky at this, you can actually see, see, yeah, um, see it from the spot. ground. Um, mm. So that is uh, pretty good. So move, uh, moving on, BBC News Gloucestershire and uh, some good news. Uh, Gloucestershire, uh, Gloucester's Jet Age Museum uh, have celebrated their bumper first year. The Aircraft Museum in Gloucestershire, which reopened last year after a decade of waiting, is celebrating bumper uh, visitor numbers. Some 20,000 people have visited the Jet Age Museum since last August, double the number expected by the trustees. The original facility attracted 5,500 visits a year but shut 14 years ago and the aircraft were put into storage. Campaigners spent years planning the new permanent display, which also includes archive photos and documents. The UK's first jet aircraft, the Gloucester E-2839, was built and tested in Gloucester in the early 1940s. A replica is on display as part of the museum's collection, which also includes a replica Gloucester-built Hawker Hurricane, a delicate 1925 Gloucester Gamecock made out of wood and fabric and two Gloucester Meteors. Museum chairman Darren Lewington said, with the 70th anniversary of the Battle of uh, Armin approaching, the Gloucester's uh, History Festival and the exciting new campaign to build the Hawker Typhoon cockpit about to be launched, we're going from strength to strength and far exceeding our more most optimistic forecasts. Campaign has raised a quarter of a million pounds to pay for the new building on land which has been leased from Gloucestershire Airport for 45 years and more than £72,000 has been raised from museum visitors in the past year. So that's a museum I haven't been to, Simon. No, uh, I um, haven't. Um, I would imagine our friend David Harris... I'll have to um, text or uh, send him a text to see if he's been here. Um, but we, uh, luckily enough, um, on the airshow circuit, we still have a Gloucester meteor. Yep, there is. Um, we, on the uh, we saw one at Farnborough. Yeah, there was one at Farnborough. Yes, yeah. and wh where else did we see one? Um, mm. Was it um, Riyadh? I think it was at Riyadh as Possibly well. Possibly Riyadh as well. There was a meter there. But there's definitely one at Farnborough. Yeah. That flew with the Canberra. Yeah, and uh, Biggin Hill. What about that? I think we saw one there as well. I think there was one there as well. Yeah. So many but, um, air shows, Simon. It, it normally uh, <laughs> forms up um, with uh, the sort of uh, vampire as well. So, uh, yeah. So a bit of sad news next uh, on the Travel Mall site. Malaysia Airlines, uh, as we all know, have had um, some some really um, terrible um, issues this year. And uh, this uh, report is saying that Malaysian Airlines has lost uh, almost 200 cabin crew who've resigned in the past six months following uh, the twin tragedies of uh, MH370 and MH17. The airline has said that a total of 186 crew have left since the end of July, with many citing safety fears. Abdul Malik Arif, Secretary General of the Airline Union, said some employees are now afraid to fly, and some resignations have been sparked by family pressure to leave the company. He also said that remaining crews are having to work longer hours due to staff shortages. The two tragedies and the mysterious disappearance of flight MH370 en route to Beijing and MH17, which was shot down over the Ukraine, claimed the lives of 27 crew members along with 537 passengers in total. The Malaysian flag carrier already was in financial trouble before the two disasters and are in the process of being taken 
um, private by Sovereign Wealth Fund Kazan National. In order to save the carrier, Kazan National is considering laying off up to 4,000 staff and will delist MAS from the Bursa Malaysia Stock Exchange. The airline's restructuring will involve painful steps and sacrifices from all parties, Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak said recently. So sad, quite sad, Simon, because, uh, I mean, you know, these um, things have they've not been direct, you know, we don't know about MH370, but we know that MH17 wasn't a fault of yeah, the airline itself. Yeah, it's, yes. it's sad. Yes, um, and um, you can understand the crew being... Um uh, cabin crew and flight crew being uh, sort of nervous about this and the pressure, mm. from, as you said, from the families. So it's a hard one, but I think um, the Malaysian Airlines on borrowed time now and uh, I think it will uh, end up uh, going and receive a ship. Mm. Um, let's, hope, let's hope uh, it carries on and um, the restructuring will help to keep the airline going because every, every country needs a national airline. Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. Well, <clears throat> we we've got BA and, and Virgin yeah, Atlantic. Uh, Virgin Atlantic, you know, the, the and and a country needs its own airline. I yes. think you know to to uh, to keep people happy. I think. Yeah. So travel weekly then. A um, bit more uh, cheerful this one. A uh, bit strange news. A bit of a strange news story. We've covered this a bit, I think, in the previous episodes. Yeah. Uh, we have, um, and this is regarding windowless aircraft uh, to improve efficiency. And uh, windowless aircraft are now looking that they could, it could be the future of uh, cheaper air travel as Government Technology Centre developed to propose and help airlines save on fuel, according to reports. Plastic display screens projecting the sky outside could line the cabin of an aircraft taking place of windows. The technology would reduce aircraft weight and cut fuel costs without uh, worrying nervous passengers. The display screens will function using a technique called printable electronics, which involves the use of conductive links to carry electric currents in cardboard and plastic for just a few pence per unit. Developers at the Centre for Process Innovation, CPI, in Sedgefield, which is one of the government's network of technology centres known as Catapults, are particularly excited by the benefits that printable electronics offer to aviation. Tom Taylor, who is part of the management team at CPI in County Durham, told the Financial Times, getting weight out of a plane is key goal for the industry. You could see the first of these coming into the market in the next three to four years. US company Spike Aerospace has announced plans to have a windowless cabin on board its Spike S512 supersonic jet, which is due to launch in 2018, the Telegraph reported. President Vic Cure believes the technology would win over passengers, saying they would experience a wonderful panoramic view of the world outside. The company still plans to have several windows for emergency purposes. So there's a little screenshot there on the site, if you look on the uh, Travel Weekly site. And there's a screenshot there of the interior cabin. And what do you, what do you think, Simon? Um, it looks okay, um, <clears throat> but I'm not too sure about this. What do you think? Um... It's a hard one, isn't it? Until I've actually uh, tried or tested it. Um, yeah, to see what it's like. I mean, it, it would be quite bizarre not having windows. Um, yes. But it says here it's going to project the outside onto the, 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 screens. The, it's going to be the uh, real outside view, is it? Mm. If it, if it's like the view they have on the screenshot here from uh, from this site we're looking at here, it's uh, kind of like the aircraft has no no walls. Yes. Um, so if you can imagine looking out. Uh, 
if you're sitting on the window seat, if you're looking out to your right through a window, imagine there's no window, no fuselage, just open sky. Um, obviously, there's a panel there, but the panel projects uh, a view of outside. It's okay if it, it works uh, 100% efficiency, but if it doesn't, you're going to have patches all over the place. So I think it's a bit... <laughs> bit um, I'd, I'd, I think I'd, I'd enjoy it if it, if it projected a flight radar 24 or um, on there so you could track aircraft while yes, you're flying. <laughs> looking on this uh, picture here, I don't exactly know whether these are other yeah, aircraft. I, or... I, I've just seen the, the spot that on the picture there, whether they are aircraft that are highlighted in flight. Um, but that would be interesting for um, for people like me and you, Simon. Yes, so really and truthfully, it's like blacking out your windows in your car and just having the front screen if you're the pilot <laughs> or the driver. Although I think those, if someone is um, afraid of flying or being in a in an aluminum or aluminium tube, um, I think this would be quite scary because it, it looks like there's no sides to the aircraft, like you could fall out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll... Uh, if I remember, I'll try and remember, because I haven't got a pad and pen here, but I will try and get that uh, on our show notes on the website. So you can click on that and have a look at that uh, for yourself. See what you think. Um, leave us some feedback uh, on uh, on Facebook or send us an email. So next piece of news then. Uh, oh, this one's lovely, Simon. This makes me feel hungry, especially since I'm, I'm due to have tea when I get home. Um, the Business Traveller site, um, British Airways are adding pulled pork to their first-class menu. <clears throat> British Airways uh, have said that next month, September, they're adding pulled pork sandwiches to their in-flight first-class menu. The U.S. recipe, which has been developed by the airline chefs over the past six months, uh, is uh, using slow-cooked uh, slow pork, which has been caught, uh, cooked for 14 hours, before being hand pulled, uh, with and then had uh, having sage and onions added, and uh, with a smoky uh, flavour, a kind of a, a flavour barbecue sauce uh, with it as well, and uh, the meat is served with apple and ginger and sultana chutney and a side of candy stripe uh, beetroot, uh, red beetroot and purple potato crisps. It's going to be available on BA's first cabin from September, as we said, and on flights to the Middle East. Slow roasted duck will be used instead, um, if available. BA chef Mark Tazzoli said, pulled pork is incredibly fashionable right now, allowing the emergence of gourmet food trucks, craft butchers and rustic restaurants. As taste buds are affected at altitude, we have created a special rub which has soared highly in taste tests and we're confident this new dish will provide a popular, uh, will provide a, prove popular with customers. In June, BA added gourmet burgers to their uh, their menu called the Flying Burger, uh, which they introduced to their first class menu as well. And the airline has served other traditional dishes as well on their menu, uh, including fish and chips, which is one we covered in uh, one of our previous uh, podcasts on their short haul flights. And this month as well, BA announced it will trial an online pre-flight meal selection, another thing we cut, we covered on one of our previous podcasts. So Simon, pulled pork, you, you've tried it? Yes, I've uh, tried it many a times in the US, and it's uh, a lovely uh, dish. All it is is, instead of sliced, it's just um, actually pulled, pulled apart. Pulled. <laughs> yeah, pulled, pulled apart pork. with uh, tongs. Um, I don't know uh, what the idea of that is, but it's just... Uh, a novel way of uh, serving up and a bit of a gimmick um, but it's a lovely um, a lovely dish um, and it's a lovely meal and um, 
the meals on the flight seem to be getting more and more upmarket, but it's just a shame that they're only available in at first class. the top end of mm, the market. That's not fair, is it, Simon? No, because uh, like you and uh, I, we can't afford uh, the big uh, big prices. First class, no, we can't afford first class. Perhaps we, we pulled all our money together, sold our houses, sold our yeah, cars. Yeah, make it one flight out there. Uh, brought a cardboard box to live in. Yeah, one um, maybe one flight one way. One reckon? flight one way. <laughs> we, we'd, we'd have half a seat each. Yeah. So last piece of news then uh, <clears throat> on our news segment for this week is about our local airport. Uh, pick this one because it's our local airport, Norwich yeah. Airport. And this one's on the EDP24 site. Is this Norwich Airport boosted by survey? The annual WICH Members Survey of UK Airport finds that small airports are, on average, providing better experiences than larger airports. The survey rates airports on areas that matter the most to customers, including seating provision, distance on boarding gates and queues at security and passport control and baggage reclaim. Norwich International Airport uh, managed to achieve a full five-star rating in five out of the ten categories, with an overall customer score of 72%. The survey results show that Norwich International is now rated ninth in the small airport category, which is an increase of one place from last year, 2013. Richard Pace, the airport's operations director, uh, director commented, We are delighted with uh, Norwich Airport's performance in this year's survey. The airport team is committed to making the airport experience an easier, speedier and less stressful one for all the passengers and these results are testament to the hard work the airport has undertaken over the past few years to improve facilities at the airport. So there we go, Simon. We've got a good airport. Yes, we have. Um, <laughs> I know. Do you know, um, I'd like to send a, a picture of uh, this, if they haven't seen this, which I would imagine they have, and also um, just drop them a, an email, a nice email, saying, take away the passenger uh, terminal tax. And uh, I think you'd be uh, creeping up the table quite a lot more. Yeah, I think... uh, I think it'd be up another two or three places if that was withdrawn. That's something that they could... And also, I mean, we've spoke about this a million times before, but the addition of more flights um, to more destinations, I think, would be good, would be key. Yes, um, but they've expanded uh, the terminal uh, from when it used to be its little port cabins, haven't they, on this? Yeah, Um, slightly slightly different now. Yeah, it's had... um, it's had uh, two uh, major expansions, but uh, I would imagine, uh, like all uh, small uh, regional airports, it will um, have to get uh, a lot bigger um, to uh, accommodate all these um, new uh, aircraft and um, new uh, flight destinations that will come into Norwich and other um, sort of local airports. Yeah, so keep your eyes on that if you live in the uh, East Anglia area. Norwich Airport, that's uh, one to try, definitely. So that's why we're going to bring uh, the weekly news segment to a close this week then. And uh, we're going to come back after this with uh, Simon's segment with his uh, military aviation news and his uh, bits of air show because we've still got some air shows on this year. So Simon's going to bring you all the information on that. I've also lined up some really good stories for him as well, some uh, military aviation stories which he's going to read to you. So we're going to come back to you after this. Don't forget, you too can contact the show and leave your messages for Simon and Carlos. Contact them via their website at www.plaintalkinguk.com or email them at plaintalkinguk at hotmail.com. Send them your messages. They really want to hear from you.
Blimey, Simon, that's a bit that's a bit uh, low. Yes, that was str- that was right of your kitchen. That one. Yes. Oh, we. Uh, I take it we're uh, recording again, are we? <laughs> oh yeah, we're recording definitely. Yeah, the microphones are back on, and we're uh, we're recording uh, again, Simon. Is that all right? Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> that's cool. Tell you, this is this just proves, doesn't it, that uh, we we, are, we, re- we record this show completely live. Yes. With no, um, with no, um, um, oh, well, hardly any editing anyway. I do a bit of editing at the end just to get rid of the rough bits, but uh, we leave most of what me and Simon chat about <laughs> in the show in. So, Simon, you've got uh, you've got some military aviation stuff to talk about. So, uh, and, uh, some uh, air, air show, show news. news. Yeah. Yep. So, if you're ready, Simon, yeah, we're going to get you to do your bit. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So with his military aviation and air show news, I'll hand you over to Simon. Thanks very much, Carlos. Uh, yeah, this is a, a local piece of news, and uh, I'm glad you brought this up, Carlos, because I was actually working, and I normally go up... Uh... Do you know what? I can't believe you were working when this particular piece of news was happening, Simon. Yes. That's terrible. Yes. I slipped up big time, because um, it was a Clacton air show, and uh, also um, the Reds uh, used this as their uh, stop-off point because they'd come from Dawlish and Exeter Airports. Um, well, they'd come from the Exeter Airport, sorry. And uh, they flew up uh, just for lunchtime on the Friday. And then they were using it as their hub for the Clacton Air Show. And um, as I said, unfortunately, I was working. Um, and uh, it's always a, always a crowd puller here, um, as, as with any uh, airport. And uh, the famous RAF uh, aerobatics team, the Red Arrows, jetted into Norwich after a show in Exeter uh, to prepare the planes for the Clacton Air Show appearance. After flying their classic diamond formation over the airport, the Reds landed and the pilots hopped out. And just after setting foot on the tarmac, they headed straight over to the fence to meet the crowds, gathered to uh, welcome them. Among um, them was a nine-year-old uh, Riley Dunham who had come over with his family to try and catch a glimpse of the Reds. Um, he said, it's nice to meet the pilots and gave me a map and a sticker. Um the back of the car handing out our maps uh, of the cruise uh, flight lieutenant james mcmillan jokingly challenged the children to find your way around with that one of the elite red arrows team 38 year old lieutenant ollie uh, parr uh, who has red four position he said the public uh, are always fantastic everywhere they go and uh, and we go to norwich is no different um there's also quite um there's always a crowd so we always make sure we go over and say hello. It's a dream job for me. Pilots f- fly with the Red Arrows for three years at a time, and this year's very special one as its uh, team celebrates its fiftieth uh, years of di- fifty years of displays. Flight Lieutenant Parr said, "We've got a full uh, display season of eighty-five shows and a new tail fin on the aircraft. The ceremonial stuff on the ground and shows is a little bit different this year." It's not the first time uh, the Red Arrows have uh, used Norwich Airport as a base to carry out uh, aircraft checks in preparation between shows. Saxon Air, based at Norwich Airport, has looked after the team for several years. Flight Lieutenant Support Manager James Palmer said it was a long history between the airport and the Red Arrows. Traditionally, we have a long-standing relationship um, with them for seven years, so we try and come here every. Uh, so we try and get them to come here every year. He said it's great. 
Uh, the crowd loves to see them. As soon as the pilots get out of the aircraft, they meet and greet the people. I'm very proud. A lot of people here will have just come to be part of that day. It's such a proud moment. Waiting uh, uh, for them in the airport was cheese and pickle sandwiches um, and an episode of Bargain Hunt uh, on TV. <laughs> so, Simon, another part uh, of the story um, which Simon's got to tell you about is, is a, a, a group of people who are, are kind of forgotten about, I think, a lot of the time, Simon. Yes, uh, the circus uh, um, team um, are actually forgotten about a lot and to keep these uh, nine hawks and obviously the the other spare hawks uh, serviceable and uh, or fully serviceable um, the, it requires these guys to uh, travel in the back of the hawks um, uh, transiting between uh, certain places uh, with them obviously you've got three new um, pilots and the uh, that that normally travel in the back of the hawks as well so um, obviously that's a bit of a um, little bit of this and a little bit of that some, sometimes. And these guys are called the, uh, uh, the fl- Blues. Flying Circus. Flying Circus. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they uh, actually uh, um, look after the Hawks and service them uh, all the time. So uh, it's uh, pretty uh, good. And uh, a lot of people, obviously, like we said, uh, forget about them, and uh, uh, which is a shame. Uh, but they uh, are a part of the team, and uh, they have a Hercules as well, and they've got the die team as well. And, and they, they wear the blue overalls. They do, they, they do. So when you're, when, the, when you're at the air shows and you see the uh, red arrows on the ground, the guys in the blue overalls are uh, are these guys, the yes, circus. The, the circus guys, yes, and uh, they travel everywhere, uh, all over the world, and uh, follow them. And each uh, guy has their own hawk, uh, which they look after and try and keep um, keep the same one. So, uh, uh, which is uh, good uh, for the service of that aircraft, right? Quinetic, another piece of news, um, has marked its fortieth. Uh, the Hawker Sidley uh, Hawk. Uh, jet trainers first flight commissioning an in-flight pitch of the pre-production aircraft X-Ray X-Ray 154 which remains in use with the Empire Test Pilot School um, I've actually seen this aircraft um, uh, flying about um, so this aircraft has been flying 40 years uh, which the Red Arrows use um, and before that obviously they were using the Fallen Nat so it's it's quite um, it's quite sort of uh, good that this aircraft is uh, still flying and we've got the Mark II uh, Hawk which hopefully the Reds uh, will take over um, when the That's Mark... quite uh, different actually <clears throat> seeing, seeing that uh, Hawk T1 in the black Yes uh, rather than the red Yes it is yeah um, <coughs> but um, it, it, that is a good colour when it uh, also shows up in the sky and the first uh, flight of T1 standard aircraft was conducted from Dunsfold um, in Surrey on the 21st of August 1974 with a trainer flow uh, with the trainer flown by test pilot Duncan Simpson OBE, um, having subsequently served as an experimental research units, X-ray X-ray 154 is now owned by Quinetic and operated from the UK's Ministry of Defence Boscombe Downsite in Wiltshire. It continues to be flown as a test pilot training aircraft and is equipped with extensive flight instrumentation and uh, telemetry equipment. Other T1s remain in use uh, with the UK's Royal Air Force, including the those operated by the Red Arrows display team, the Royal Navy and the BAE has to date uh, secured orders for 999 Hawks in various later standards. Um, production of the type continuing at the company's Wharton site in uh, Lancashire with the order book including new examples for Saudi Arabia, Oman, while India's armed forces are also continuing to receive this type. Um, so there's quite a lot of uh, use left in it and uh, obviously the Reds 
aircraft are sort of put through their paces a lot and um it's still an awesome aircraft to see as well it is it is even mm. the um solo display so hopefully mm. we will see the solo hawk <coughs> display um mark ii coming back in the not too distant future um which i think has already been announced so it's hard to believe the first <coughs> um the, like simon said the first flight of the t1 standard aircraft was constructed from dunsfold in 1974, in August, the month I was born, but in 74, two years before I was born, yes, Simon. Yeah. So, you know, nearly, well, like we said, 40 years old and still um, still a you know a fantastic aircraft. Definitely a, a brilliant, um, you know, all-round aircraft for the RAF. Yes, uh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Right, um, did we, uh, I thought we... Uh talked about this as uh, another one is it yeah we covered uh, we covered a bit of information on some of the things the river was doing but this um this one is uh regarding the deployment this one. Oh yes uh, right the uh this is the uh, river uh, which is um uh the royal air force's um updated uh, aircraft which has been uh sort of um the design has been borrowed from American uh, design, which are already using it. So the Royal Air Force have now got these uh, rivets, which are the old Boeing 707s with the new uh, nose cone uh, added on the front, um, which is a surveillance aircraft. <coughs> and the uh, UK Royal Air Force is deploying the first Boeing RC-135W rivet joint signals intelligence aircraft to support operations over Iraq. The first operational deployment of the type since its delivery in November 2013. The aircraft was delivered under the UK's air seeker effort, which uh, will see the RAF operate three converted KC-135Rs in line with the US Air Force's uh, rivet joint force. The uh, deployed uh, jet is stationed at RAF Equatorian Cyprus, which is positioned um, easily to deploy over northern Iraq and support humanitarian effort under the underway in the nation. Islamic State militants have forced the religious minorities from northern Iraq on uh, Mount Sinjar, which has uh, resulted in humanitarian efforts by the USA and uh, UK, among other nations, to provide aid. The UK also deployed two Lockheed Martin <coughs> excuse me, C-130J tactical transports uh, to aid the effort, as well as a small number of Panavia GR-4 tornadoes um, carrying the Raphael um, Litening three reconnaissance and targeting a pod. Uh, Boeing CH-47 Chinook transport helicopters have also been deployed to Akrotiri. It is believed that the RAF, uh, RAF's rivet joint was deployed in July, weeks before other um, aircraft movements. And although uh, Defence Minister Michael uh, Fallon only announced its involvement on the 16th of August, so they kept that a bit hush-hush mm. on that, mm. um, which we can understand um, sort of... Um, <clears throat> sort of just to protect the uh, um, sort of uh, sensitivity of this um, story <clears throat> and the operation itself yeah, yes. to provide the aid it's quite um, always always want to look at this rivet aircraft Simon you just look at that and you think of the 707 you do you know you if do. you took if you took those <coughs> those larger engines off and put um, four Pratt and Whitney um, JT8Ds on there you know, you're 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 making that a seven oh seven again, yes, <laughs> and obviously you take the nose cone off yes. as well. And uh, you can see the uh, aerial has <clears> got on the uh, wing, uh, yeah. uh, where the winglets uh, normally uh, go. So yeah, that's a very thing. interesting aircraft. Yeah. Right, uh, Wellington's uh, first T six C arrives in New Zealand. Beechcraft Defence Systems has flown two T six C Texan two aircraft from. Uh, Wichati, um, Kansas, uh, uh, to New Zealand ahead of its entry into service with the Royal Air New Zealand Air Force. Now, 
We've actually uh, seen uh, this, haven't we? Uh, and we were talking to the guy. Um, a T6 Texan. Yes. The Beechcraft. I think oh, did we, I don't think we interviewed him. Was it, we, was it um, the Texan or the Textron? No, it was a Textron one. That was the Scorpion. Yeah, <coughs> yeah. yeah, but so, this diff- is based at the same uh, airport, so I would imagine it's um, a similar uh, thing. The pair arrived at uh, Royal New Zealand uh, Air Force uh, Okia on the 22nd of August. Uh, the aircraft arrived following Wellington's order of 11 T6 Texans um, worth... Uh, a total of 154 New Zealand dollars, 129 million uh, dollars uh, in January. The aircraft will formally be handed over on the 31st of October after uh, the uh, Royal New Zealand Air Force um, personnel undergo maintenance and pilot training in the US. So <clears throat> that is uh, quite a uh, big step for them with these new aircraft. I'll tell you what, we're both suffering here, Simon. Both coughing. Yes, we are. <coughs> I'm still getting over my cold, and Simon's you're, coughing as well. You're, cat, you're spreading it I'm, to me, I'm aren't you? I'm spreading it to you, I see, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, the uh, uh, next piece of news is uh, Massachusetts-based F-15 crashes in Virginia. Now, I did read a bit about this. Is this one that done a low pass over some uh, houses? I'm not sure. Um, the Boeing... Uh, F-15C assigned the 40th 104 fighter wing uh, from Massachusetts Air National Grid Guard crashed um, in Virginia mountains around 0900 Eastern Time on the 27th of August. The pilot, who officials described as very experienced, reported the in-flight emergency before radio contact was lost, according to Colonel James Keefe, uh, commander of the 104th uh, fighter wing. The status of the pilot is still unknown and as of 1600 hours time. The F-15 is equipped with an ejector seat, uh, though no one has confirmed that the pilot had the opportunity to eject prior to the crash. Unconfirmed reports said witnesses saw a parachute in the area. The Massachusetts-based fighter was heading for New Orleans, Louisiana's maintenance depot um, to receive upgrades in its radar system. The fighter was not carrying munitions when it crashed, according to Lieutenant Anthony uh, Mutty um, of the 104th Fighter Wing spokesman. Uh, witnesses reported hearing a loud boom and black smoke um, issuing uh, from a remote area within the George Washington National Forest area. There were no injuries reported on the ground. Information on the incident is developing rapidly and uh, we, we are not going to speculate on what occurred at this state, status of the pilot. Keith said in a statement, we are hopeful that the pilot is okay and the pilot will be in our thoughts and prayers and the events um, as the events of this incident unfold. So um, uh, that's quite a sort of a, um, a sad that um, I would imagine they would have found the pilot by now, wouldn't they? Mm, mm. I think that's still an ongoing story, that one. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, the F- F-15C is a single-seat variant of the twin-engine jet, um, which is which is obviously what crashed. It's just a shame that um, obviously there's, uh, they need to find out really what, what caused this yes. um, accident. Um, but I think the F-15 is quite an old jet now. I think I think the F-15 is quite, uh, you know, not having a huge military knowledge, but I think it's a fairly old fighter jet. Um, obviously a lot of uh, military places or military uh, um, forces now use the F-16, um, which are now being obviously replaced a bit by the new up and coming F thirty five when they uh, yes. sort uh, sort the the problems out with that. Yeah, but. yeah. So um, the next piece of news is the A four hundred M undergoes a tanker test uh, campaign. So they're actually going to use this as a, a tanker as well now. 
Very so, popular. Yeah. Um, so uh, an air-to-air refueling uh, test campaign for Boeing F. A 18 Hornet pictured has proven that the capability of the Airbus Defence and Space A400 transport to act as an in-flight refuelling tanker. Uh, the A400 informed 33 dry contacts over five flights. The transport also transferred 18.6 tonnes of fuel to the Hornet during 35 wet contract uh, contacts, Airbus adds. The A400M has basic fuel capacity of 50.8 tonnes. And it, uh, in a standard configuration as refueling provisions. However, the capacity can be increased using ca- uh, extra cargo uh, hold tanks so the aircraft can be used as a tanker. Um, so that's uh, um, really impressive, isn't it? Um, to have, uh, if they've got to convert these, um, because that'll be another. You've got the KC 10, the KC 135, and then you'll have the A400. I would imagine they'll call it the KC. A four hundred or something like that. Um, it's it's. Uh, well, I mean, we've we've seen this. Um, we've seen this quite a few times now with the four hundred. Yes, and I, and um, I don't know if you like, <clears throat> like like me. Um, I love this aircraft. I love watching it fly, and I love seeing it on the ground because um, I love the props and the uh, style of it. And when we were at Farnborough, it was uh, parked right next door to the A three eighty Airbus, yeah. and uh, it was such a, a lovely sight to see him uh, throwing this aircraft about and uh, everything, wasn't it? It was really exciting. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's the, the the display they put on at um, Farnborough Riyadh. Oh, Riyadh. It uh, the the uh, pilot of the aircraft then he was throwing it around the sky as if it was a fighter jet. Yes, the four hundred M. Yeah, it's uh, it's one one mega aircraft to see flying. Yes, and um, the good thing about it is, uh, like the um, Globemaster, this aircraft and uh, along with the Hercules is um, quite a good aircraft. I say quite a good is a very good aircraft for um, steep sort of landings and steep takeoffs in uh, hostile areas. So uh, yeah, that would uh, be. Uh, Pretty good, and uh, so yeah. Um, so, what have we got to look forward to for the end of? Because uh, we are literally um, as we record this on the twenty eighth of uh, of August. Uh, we're coming towards the end of a kind of air show season. Yes, but uh, what have we got at the end of August then? Right at the um, end, well, uh, Simon. Before I uh, mention that, I'm just going to say uh, went to the uh, Eastbourne uh, air show. Oh uh, yeah, tell us about your the Eastbourne experience. Uh, yes, um, I've uh, been there a few times, and um, it's um, a lovely place. Um, saw the actual pier that part of the uh, first piece of the pier that um, burnt down, and they've already started reconstructing that and re- um, building it, which is good. Anyway, on to the air show news about Eastbourne. Um, the two Lancasters were supposed to um, fly, um, which is a shame, uh, information, because I've yet to see them in formation, but um, I will make the effort this year before they uh, before the one clears back off to Canada to actually see these uh, aircraft uh, in formation. Um, the Red Arrows um, were there. Um, they were running 10 minutes late because they were on a hold at Biggin Hill due mm. to the uh, stormy weather because it, oh, right, okay. it was pretty uh, stormy there. Um, <clears throat> but we had some uh, good aircraft. We had Sea King from uh, uh, Wadisham uh, just up the road or just down the road. And he done a display with their Tamar lifeboat, um, which was very interesting because um, they're coming at the end of their uh, time soon. And um, so, just set the uh, stage, if you like, for Eastbourne Air Show, Simon. Is it is it static aircraft, or is it purely just in the air? Uh, it's uh, purely just in the air. Mm. Although there were some um, small um, pieces of static on the uh, front, because it's a uh, Eastbourne Air Show, which is a seaside uh, town, lovely resort, uh, lovely shops. 
and uh, I met David Harris there and uh, he said uh, let's go and stand up here and uh, see if we can get a good view at the top of the uh, mound um, where the highest pe uh, position is. And we were just standing there and uh, my daughters were really excited because it was the first time they'd seen the Red Arrows this year and all the places we happened to stand he picked the perfect place they came right over the top of us and the girls <laughs> were jumping up and down and he was excited as well as I was so that was really um, so trade stands and stuff. Is yes, it, all the uh, all the usual REF uh, trade stands, yeah, the Red Arrows, yeah. the Benevolent Fund, um, uh, Ministry of Defence, all the usual uh, local ones, and um, yeah, all the military uh, ones, the Army. They're all there. There's a good selection of stands, and the Red Arrow stand is always there. You know, selling the memorabilia and everything. So that was really good as well. So we had the uh, Sea King uh, from Watsham, and uh, the good thing about that and the Chinook. They now got those big foam red gloves when they wave, you know, so you can actually see the see them in there when they're waving. Um, now I've actually been on that uh, seeking when I was in the lifeboat uh, with one of your uh, relations, yeah, um, uh, Richard uh, Stebbins, and um, it's a lovely aircraft, very noisy, very old. Um, so that was good as well. And there was numerous other aircraft. Um, the wing walkers were there. Um, and uh, lots of lots of the usual air, air show circuit aircraft as mm. well. Um, and we were also, because we were on the south coast, uh, watching, uh, me and David were quite interested, and we were watching the uh, aircraft coming in over the uh, British, um, British Channel, um, uh, coming into the uh, airports, the local regional airports, and coming into Heathrow and also uh, Gatwick. So it was really interesting, and... Uh, I had a, a great time, and it was good the Red Arrows were doing a rolling sort of display there and managed to get in as much as possible before the weather sort of took a turn. Um, but we, Tornado was good at the end. He uh, came mm. on to the end, uh, full power, full thrust, um, really good. Um, so, yeah, um, that was a good air show. And uh, also was at Chroma the other week as well. And uh, as I said, I left off work and went straight, uh, got, come home straight re ready. Uh, took my two, two eldest children uh, to Chroma, which is up the road other side of Norwich so I enjoyed that and um, had fun on that and um, the girls thoroughly enjoyed the day as well as I did and uh, it was nice to see the Reds because they done displayed at 11 o'clock in the morning there at Cromer and then headed back down to uh, or headed up to Scampton refueled re-dyed and then went down to went down to um, uh, Dawlish Air, Air Show um, down south and uh, so that was uh, really good and uh uh, a great time as always uh, at Chroma. So uh, yeah, and uh, as I said, we're drawing fast to a close on the air show circuit, uh, which is such a shame. Um, uh, indeed. Simon's just shutting the door there. <laughs> yes. So at the end of this month, then Simon, uh, on the thirtieth and thirty-first, we've got the Shoreham uh, Air Show, um, which is West Sussex, and uh, that is. Um, uh, David Harris has given me a, a rundown of this. It is always an enjoyable uh, uh, air show day, that is. And that, uh, their postcode is BN435FF, and that is on the 30th and 31st, and that is their 25th uh, air show at um, Shoreham Airport, West Sussex. <coughs> Excuse me. The next air show is the 30th and 31st, a real air show uh, in Derbyshire, North Wales, um, and uh, the largest two-day seafront air show uh, expect a varied mix of REF warbirds and civilian displays, and their postcode is LL183AF, that's LL183AF, 
And uh, we've got the Shuttleworth Edwardian uh, Picnic and Evening Air Show at Old Warden. Um, I've yet to go there. That's SG189EP. SG189EP. That's Old Warden in Bedfordshire. Yes, that is. Um, so uh, that is uh, uh, an air show I've yet to go to. Um, um, I've been uh, looking at that many times. A lot of old vintage aircraft there. Right, the 6th and 7th of September is the Prestwick Scotland Air Show, uh, a new air show following on the success of uh, success of Prestwick World Festival of Flight, and their um, postcode is KA92PL. KA92PL. And then the next air show is the 6th and 7th also, the Victory Show at Foxlands Farm, Cosby, Leicestershire. Uh, this victor, Victory Show, now in its ninth year, is a formidable tribute to the World War II um, this year will run for three days from Friday the 5th to Sunday the 7th of September 2014. Now, a lot of the air shows are uh, sort of running between the 6th and 7th, so you've got a, quite a run-through of um, air shows back-to-back, so it's quite a, a last push or busy season mm. um, sector um, month, September for the air show seasons, and then you've got um, the Northern Ireland International Air Show, which is S. Um, as I said, it's SG189EP. And then after that, you've got the Shuttleworth Pageant um, as well. Um, you've got the Seething Airfield Charity Air Day, which, which is... I'll be at, yeah. Yeah, which is NR151EL. And then on the 7th, uh, you've got the Wings and Wheels at Bodmin Airfield, Cornwall, um, which is PL34BU. And then uh, on the 11th, you've got Jersey International Air Show, uh, St. Helier, Jersey. And then the same day, it's a Gers, uh, the Guernsey Air Show at St. Port, uh, St. Peter's Port, Guernsey. Um, and that's on the same day. So the Reds will be going to both of those and displaying separately, uh, obviously, but they're fairly close by. So uh, if it's a good day, you should be able to see both displays um, from a good vantage point at either island. And then we've got the Goodwood Revival, West Sussex. So... Um, this is another uh, air show, and uh, it's PO180PX. And then this one you're going to is yep, the I booked, 13th. Booked, uh, booked my tickets online uh, just this week, actually, for this one. Yes, um, it's just CB224QR, the Duxford Air Show. Now, I just confirmed that the Vulcan will be flying on the Saturday, and I also know that the Reds are... Only on the Sunday. Uh, only on the Sunday. Yeah, so On the 14th um, of September. All yeah. the uh, usual uh, things, but if you're needing to go... So one last big air show of the season. This is the one to yeah. go to, and uh, I would strongly recommend it. So I shall be, um, I shall be at Seething, as uh, Simon said, on the seventh of September. Uh, Seething Air Show, the charity air day, which is in Norfolk. I'll be there, and as Simon just said as well, I'll be at Duxford on the fourteenth on the Sunday um, at the Duxford Air Show at Cambridge. Um, I'll be there with uh, with my plain talking UK T-shirt and that on. You'll be able to see me. Um, give us a shout, give us a wave if you see me there. I'll uh, I'll be there at uh, at both those shows. Yes, and uh, one other thing, uh, we've still got the uh, two Lancasters uh, forming up together, so there'll be a few more opportunities for you to see both of these. And it was flying with the Vulcan the other day, and I've seen yet to see these uh, both flying together. But fingers crossed, um, as hopefully the weather will start to brighten up again after all this major heavy rain we've been having the last few. Uh, uh, days or so and uh, that should be uh, worth uh, going to see so okay then so i've added this segment in uh, on the show on the post editing um as we wanted to wait for pip to send his segment in for the show 
So uh, we're going to play uh, Pilot Pip's safety segment now, and uh, it's coming up now. And now it's time to visit the cockpit and join the man who puts the S in safe. It's the plane safety from the flight deck segment with Captain Pip. Hi everyone, it's Pilot Pip here with another safety from the flight deck segment. Now, I was meant to be finishing off our series on how not to bump into stuff. We looked at EGPWS and we looked at TCAS and I was going to finish off with weather radar. But I thought about it and I ummed and ahmed and really I can't think of a way to make weather radar interesting. It's a very dry and dull topic indeed. So maybe we'll come back to that another day. But I thought we'll do something different and have a little bit of fun. So in this segment, we're going to take a look at my top 10 safety tips. My top 10 safety tips of how to keep safe on an aeroplane. So let's get straight into it. Cue up the music. And here it comes, Pilot Pip's top 10 safety tips keeping yourself safe on an aeroplane. Straight in at number 10, it's keep your window blinds open. It's a requirement on all European air carriers to keep them open, but that's not true of everywhere. Keeping them open lets lots of lovely light into the cabin, so if it suddenly fills with smoke, you can maybe see something. And also it helps the emergency crews see inside the cabin from the outside, so they know where to cut through and not cut your fingers off at the same time. Number nine, don't drink too much alcohol, especially on those longer flights. Now, I know it can be hard when you're sitting up there in first class with unlimited booze, but remember the cabin air is pressurized to around 8,000 feet, and even a little bit of alcohol can have quite an effect. Rising two to number eight, it's try and take some exercise, again, especially on those longer flights. If you can, walk up and down the aisle. If not, sit in your seat, wiggle your toes, stretch your arms, wiggle your fingers, keep that blood flowing. A new entry at number seven, try checking in those heavier bags. Do you really need to have that great big suitcase with you in the cabin? Now it's common now to see cabin overheads filled with heavy suitcases, but can you imagine what sort of damage that can do if they start flying around in an emergency? Check them in if you can. At number six, wear appropriate clothing for the time of year. You're going to look pretty silly if you have to evacuate on the runway in the middle of winter and snowing and you're wearing that Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops. Bear it in mind. Number five, sit in an exit row if you can. Now I know it sometimes costs a little bit extra, but it could be worth the money. Study the instructions for opening the door. Make yourself familiar with it. And if you're with companions or friends, make sure they know how to open the door too. Number four, locate your nearest exit. It's always a good idea to count the number of rows to the nearest exit, so in the dark and smoke-filled cabin, you've got a good idea of how far it's going to be to get there. Number three, if you do find yourself in an emergency evacuation, well, keep calm listen to the cabin crew. Remember, many people may be panicking and acting irrationally, maybe even the cabin crew themselves, so be prepared to take the initiative to get out. And for goodness sake, don't stop to take your luggage with you. Number two, listen to the safety briefing. Not only does it give you lots of valuable information that may just save your life, it's also polite to the cabin crew. 
And at number one, wear your safety belt. Even if the seatbelt signs aren't illuminated, severe turbulence can be unpredictable and can happen anywhere. Many injuries happen because of people not wearing their seatbelts. It costs nothing to fasten your seatbelt, even at Ryanair. So, do them up. So there it is, my top 10 safety tips. Hope you enjoyed that. I'll try and think of something interesting for the next one. Pilot Pip signing off. So we have got um, just one more segment to do on the show then before we come to a close, and that's our In Focus Aircraft of the Week, as chosen by our Facebook listeners. So uh, we're going to bring that to you next. And now it's time for our In Focus Aircraft of the Week. So the in-focus aircraft of the week then, as chosen by our listeners via Facebook and email. So I'd like to say a thank you to Jason Bright, uh, to Wayne Bova. Yes, as always. Mr. Bova. And Neil McCarthy as well, and Daniel Hannington, uh, not to mention a load more as well. And of all votes have come in, it was kind of a, a, a near enough tie. Uh, between the TU-144 Concordski and the British uh, BAE Concorde. But the winner, or the BAC Concorde, the winner was, uh, as I thought it might be, the uh, BAC uh, Concorde. So we're going to give you a little rundown on that aircraft. So the BAE or BAC Concorde uh, is a now a retired turbojet-powered supersonic passenger airliner, or supersonic transport SST. It's one of only two SSTs that have entered commercial service. The other was the TU-144. Concorde was jointly developed and produced by Aerospatiale and the British Aircraft Corporation, BAC, under an Anglo-French treaty. First flown in 1969, the Concorde entered service in 1976, the year I was born, and continued commercial flights for 27 years. Among other destinations, Concorde flew regular transatlantic flights from London Heathrow and Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport to New York JFK, Washington Dulles and Barbados. It flew uh, these routes in less than half the time of other airliners, with with only 20 aircraft built. The development of the Concorde was substantial and, and, and ever, uh, it was class and economic loss. Air France and British Airways also received considerable government subsidies to purchase the aircraft. The Concorde was retired in 2003 due to a general downturn in the aviation industry after the type's only crash in 2000, the, um, the air crash of the Air France um, BAC Concorde which was down to a uh, a piece of uh, metal on the uh, runway, which pierced... Uh, rip, yeah. rip, ripped the old uh, tyres, didn't it? Yeah, it did. A total of, as we said, 20 aircraft were built in France and the United Kingdom, and six of these were prototypes and development aircraft. Seven each were delivered to Air France and British Airways, and Concorde's name reflects the development agreement between the United Kingdom and France. In the UK, any or all type usually for aircraft are known simply as Concorde without an article. The aircraft is regarded by many people as an aviation icon and an engineering marvel. As we said, the first flight was on the 2nd of March 1969. The aircraft entered service 21st of January 
and uh, in 1976. And the primary users, as we said, were British Airways and Air France. And the aircraft was produced between 1965 and 1979, with 20 being built, including non six non-airline flying aircraft. The program cost £1.3 billion, and the unit cost of each aircraft in 1977 was uh, uh, £23 million, which uh, in today's money would uh, amount to £125 million um, per aircraft. So the technical specifications of the aircraft, um, the capacity was for 100 passengers and 1,300 pounds or 0.59 tonnes of cargo. The uh, seating was in a two abreast uh, style, so two seats, an aisle and two seats, with a 37-inch pitch or 97, uh, 94 centimetres. It had a range of 4,200 miles, or 6,720 kilometres, and was powered by four Rolls-Royce uh, Snecma Olympus 593s, each producing 38,000 pounds of thrust with reheat. The takeoff speed was 250 miles an hour, or 402 kilometres an hour, and it had a cruising speed of 1,350 miles per hour which uh, is Mach 2. It had a ceiling uh, height of 60,000 feet, equivalent to five football fields. Uh, it could climb at that rate um, uh, every second and 23 miles every minute, faster than a rifle bullet and twice the speed of sound. had a landing speed of 187 miles an hour, or 300 kilometers an hour. And it also had the auto land capability, category 3, DH-15 feet landing RVR 200 metres, takeoff and RVR 150 metres. It had a length of 203 feet 9 inches, which is 62.1 metres, and a wingspan of 83 feet 8 inches, or 25.5 metres, with a height of 37 feet 1 inch, or 11.3 metres, and a fuselage width of just 9 feet 6 inches. It'll be no good for you, Simon. You'll be a stand. You'll be a stand up on uh, on board the aircraft. <coughs> no. Uh, <laughs> it had a fuel capacity of twenty six thousand two hundred and eighty six imperial gallons, and it had a fuel consumption of five thousand six hundred and thirty eight imperial gallons, or twenty five thousand six hundred twenty nine liters per hour. Maximum takeoff weight was. 408,000 pounds or 185 tons. It had eight main wheels on the landing on the uh, main landing gear and two nose wheels, a flight crew of two pilots and one flight engineer and six cabin crew. The aircraft was usually flown for an average of 2.39 hours a day and the age of the aircraft when retired from service was 23.3 years. It's a very, uh, very uh, young aircraft, and um, also the expenditure. Um, I've been on the one at East Fortune, um, which is Alpha Delta, I think, and um, the actual uh, um, pilot's hat is wedged in between the gap when it expands and mm. then exp um, closes up uh, on landing. And uh, also, I took my, uh, treated my mum to a, a 60th birthday flight in 1994. Uh, with my brother, we paid half and went on a Bay of Biscay. She went on a Bay of Biscay flight um, from London Heathrow 
to um, Luton Airport and uh, the flight was about two hours, 45 minutes long. She went supersonic and uh, she'll never forget, I got the certificate, the uh, salt and pepper condiments, um, complimentary and a few other things. So um, an aircraft which I uh, didn't get to fly on. I've I've been on the one at Duxford and uh, one or two others. So it's such a shame. Uh, Still had plenty of life and uh, we go back to subsonic aircraft again after that retired. So there's also been talk just uh, recently, Simon, as well, of them trying to um, save one of the Concords and return it to flying service. Was that the uh, Air France one? Uh, It's actually one of the BA ones. Um, You can go on, if you go on the saveconcordgroup.co.uk, there's a project there to to try and uh, save enough funds to try and to get one of these aircraft flying again. Yeah, it's been running for many years, that has... It would be interesting to see that aircraft fly again, Yes, Simon. it would. Definitely. So that's all we've got time for then on this particular episode of the Plane Talking UK podcast. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook. Find us on there, search for us, Plane Talking UK. You can also uh, look for us on Twitter and Facebook. follow us on Twitter. And Facebook as well. And Facebook. And you can also go to our website at www.planetalkinguk.com. You can go on there and uh, look at some info on there. There's also links you can get to look at the air show sites that me and Simon uh, glean a lot of information from. You can go on there and get yes. uh, information about I the do, air shows. I uh, do post quite a lot of stuff on Facebook, uh, pictures from around the world of uh, display We love teams. Facebook listeners, uh, Facebook likes, I should say. Yes, more, we do. more uh, likes on Facebook. Yes, um, because there's always interesting stuff. And one other thing, the Red Arrows have done their Ice Bucket Challenge, and <laughs> they did nominate <laughs> the Brightling Wing Walkers and a few others, so I will just get that in, and uh, it's available to look at uh, i did post it on our web page so uh, if you are interested in that they're all sitting there and um, it's quite enjoyable uh, to see that and uh, it's quite fun so don't forget to keep your eyes open on facebook for our next list of uh, in focus aircraft you to choose for for the next episode me and Simon are not going to leave it as long uh, between episodes now. No. Uh, this has been just a, a minor glitch yep. um, due to um, me still being ill. I'm still coughing here. So you have to apologise for the coughing that uh, you've endured through listening to the show. But yes. uh, we are. <clears throat> and also, just before we go, just one last piece of news that uh, Simon uh, should know about because he's been following it on Facebook. I have started to learn to fly again. Yes. Um, just started uh, a few weekends ago, learning to fly at uh, our local airport at uh, Ella near Beckles. For uh, in, at I the... did actually see you up in the sky, uh, <laughs> in the little uh, blue Cessna. That's quite an old uh, Cessna. Yeah, nineteen sixty-seven Cessna one hundred and fifty. I'm to fly. <laughs> That's uh, older than me. Um, um, I did actually put one up on our Facebook page. The, did you see the Cessna with the jets on? Yes, I did see that. Is one, that Simon. for real? That, or? that amused me. And no, that's not for real, Simon. I don't think you'll be seeing <laughs> Cessnas with jet engines anytime soon. So like- yes, I've got uh, six, seven, eight hours now in the, uh, in the logbook, and uh, I should be having another lesson hopefully this weekend, yes. uh, weather permitting, obviously. Yeah. Um, but thoroughly enjoying it, getting back into the flying seat, because it's yep. uh, 2008 when I uh, stopped learning to fly. Uh, so it's been a bit of a, uh, a bit of a break, yep. a bit of a gap, but loving it. And uh, you can probably follow, uh, if you look for me on Facebook, you'll be able to uh, see uh, my progress on there. Yep. So that's it then. That's so we're going to bring episode 29 to a close of the Plane Talking UK podcast. Uh, time's just coming up to 8 o'clock in the evening. It's getting dark in here, Simon. It is, and uh, the girls are... Uh, the girls oh, are raring to get back in, yes. and I've got to turn everything off 
So uh, yeah, eyes to the sky. So from me, Carlos, it's a huge uh, well end of summer uh, goodbye, and uh, join us. Don't forget to join us for episode thirty next week. Thirty, thirty air show. Thirty podcast, <laughs> party, party podcast, exactly. And from you, Simon, it's a big boy. Big bye. Is that all we get? A big, big bye bu- from you? A big bye-bye. A big bye-bye. <laughs> okay, so goodbye then. Take care. Bye.